It's time to get in the zone. The Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. What a piece of that championship. Put it in here. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Zone. I'm PJ. Hopefully you had a great week nine, week ten we're staring at. And yeah, we are right in the prime of getting down the stretch here now in the fantasy season. Just think about it, six weeks away and it's already the championship. So again, big time here in fantasy the next couple of weeks. Hopefully we can help you out get that lineup set here for week 10. Once again, Joe Bartle from rotowire.com going to join us here in a couple of minutes. Going to start off, though, looking at some info here from the league about uh, this Ravens offense. You know, they put on a heck of a display against the Patriots, giving the Patriots their first loss. Kind of opening up some eyebrows, too, nationally, like, oh, Baltimore's for real here. In fact, with that rushing game, they are putting up some incredible statistics. In fact, entering week 10, they lead the NFL with an average of 204.9 rushing yards per game. Last week in the win over New England, Lamar Jackson with uh, 637 rushing yards now on the league. It's the most by a quarterback through his team's first eight games. He rushed for 61 yards and two touchdowns in that game, while running back Mark Ingram rushed for a season-high 115 yards. The team totaled 210 rushing yards in the victory, their seventh game with at least 150 rushing yards this season. So if Baltimore rushes for at least 150 yards on Sunday against the Bengals, they would become the first team since the 1976 Pittsburgh Steelers to rush for at least 150 yards in eight of the team's first nine games since 1970. That's what kind of pace they're on with the ground game in Baltimore right now. We're going to check in now on Kyler Murray, the Arizona rookie quarterback. He leads all NFC rookies in passing yards with 2,229 yards. Not surprising. We thought he'd put up those numbers with the air raid offense, everything we heard about uh, coming into the season there. He does have a passer rating of 89.2, which ranked second among all quarterbacks with 313 rushing yards in 2019 as well. Now, earlier in the season, Murray, who was selected the first overall pick in the NFL draft, he became the second quarterback to pass for at least 300 yards in each of his first two career games in NFL history. So coming up Sunday, very, very favorable matchup once again against Tampa Bay. Murray needs 271 passing yards to join Jashawn Watson, Cam Newton, and Dante Culpepper as the only quarterbacks with at least 2,500 passing yards and 250 rushing yards in their first 10 career starts in the NFL. And he's, again, a very favorable matchup against that Buccaneer secondary to prove that coming up this week. Matt Stafford, again, he's got these records that uh, you don't think of Stafford among these record holders, but he is up there with some of the all-time greats, and he could become the first quarterback in NFL history to reach 40,000 career passing yards in fewer than 150 games. Now, over the past three weeks, Stafford leads the NFL passing yards with 1,112 yards and passing touchdowns with 10, and he's passed for at least 300 yards in three and three touchdowns in each of his past three games. So appearing in his 150th game coming up this Sunday against the Bears, Stafford needs at least 300 passing yards and three touchdowns to tie Pro Football Hall of Famer Kurt Warner with 23 games for the fourth most with at least 300 passing yards and three touchdown performances during their first 150 games played in the league. So that would be if he gets that against the Bears. And, well, it's it's a tough matchup against the Bears at Chicago. But Stafford has been slinging it great lately, so he has a chance to tie Kurt Warner with that record coming up this weekend. Talked about Christian McCaffrey all season long, and again, he leads the NFL with 1,244 scrimmage yards through eight games this season. 
He joined Pro Football Hall of Famer Jim Brown as the only players with at least 150 scrimmage yards and a touchdown in six of their team's first eight games of a season. With 156 scrimmage yards on Sunday against the Packers, McCaffrey would become the fourth player in NFL history with at least 1,400 scrimmage yards in their team's first nine games of a season. He joined Pro Football Hall of Famer Jim Brown and O.J. Simpson, as well as Larry Brown in that category, if he can get to that mark as well. Hey, Josh Jacobs, he's having a pretty good rookie campaign. In fact, he leads all rookies in scrimmage yards with 842, rushing yards with 740, and rushing touchdowns with six. Last week, Jacobs became the first rookie since Icky Woods. Yes, the Bengals, Icky Woods, doing the shuffle back in 1988 to have at least two rushing touchdowns in three of his first eight career games with at least two rushing touchdowns against the Chargers on Thursday night football. Jacobs would become the fifth player to have at least two rushing touchdowns in four of his first 10 career games in the NFL history. So, yeah, Jacobs really turned it on for the Raiders. Also, in New Orleans, you know, since entering the league in 2016, wide receiver Michael Thomas leads the NFL with 394 receptions. He ranks with 4,662 yards, third since that time coming in the league as well. This season, Thomas leads the league in receptions with 73, and again, he's on pace to potentially tie or break that Marvin Harrison record and receiving yards with 875 through the first nine weeks. So appearing in his 56th career game this Sunday against Atlanta, Thomas needs six receptions to become the fastest player to reach 400 receptions in NFL history. And he would topple players like Odell Beckham Jr., Julio Jones, Jarvis Landry, Keenan Allen, and he's going to smash that record. He's got six games to go to best Odell Beckham Jr. for that top spot in that record. That's how big of a pace Michael Thomas has been on with those receptions in his first couple of years through the league. Send your sit or start questions into the zone on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. And welcome back into the Fantasy Football Zone. And once again from rotowire.com, Joe Bartle joining us. Joe, thanks again for taking some time out with us here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk some fantasy football. It's a big week with uh, six bye weeks in week 10 here. Finally, we're starting to come to the end of these bye weeks. But yeah, it's a mega week this week. Yeah, and, and it's going to be difficult, or at least I've found so far, putting together rosters, identifying the uh, the value that you can have. And frankly, when there are so many people on by, you have to kind of pick and choose players that you might be hoping to hold for the playoff run. It might be time to cut bait, or at least be strategic when you're are going with uh, when you're cutting players or looking for roster moves, because this is kind of it. This is going to be the big the last hurrah until I think most people are stocking up. For the playoffs. Joe, I want to go over some guys now that, you know, they had some hype coming into the season, struggled, and that could have been because of the way they were being used. But, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks they've really started to pour things on, and they might help you down the stretch. Going to start off with David Montgomery of the Bears. I bought into the hype going into the season that he was going to be the number one back. Obviously going to have to share with Tariq Cohen, and then when they signed Mike Davis, that – that plan got blown up a little bit, but ever since the bye week, it seems like there's been more of a concerted effort to get him involved. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Obviously, after the bye, they played the Saints, and he only had two attempts during that contest. So it really became week eight against the Chargers defense, which for some reason the Packers couldn't handle, but literally everybody else in the NFL has been able to decimate <laughs> so far. And there were injuries that really played a part for Los Angeles, which I think factored in, and yet the Chargers still were able to come away with a victory despite Montgomery going for 135 yards. You look at what he did with the Eagles this week. Yes, they have a very, or I'm sorry, last week. Yes, they have a very good run defense. He had just 14 carries, though, and he got two one yard touchdowns, which kind of salvaged his fantasy day and was a bit more of an impact passing wise. But 
when you look at Mitchell Trubisky, really the only thing he can do as a fantasy quarterback right now is throw it to his running backs, whether it be David Montgomery or Tariq Cohen. Even Cohen has kind of seen his value slip, and even a guy as talented as Allen Robinson hasn't been able to benefit. I think that Bears offense is a mess, and, and against mm-hmm. the Lions defense, it might be a little bit more suitable for Montgomery and others to do okay, but Darius Slay's coming back. It's not like this is going to be formality that the Bears offense, given how bad they have struggled for really the entire season so far, it's instantly going to turn around. And, and great for Montgomery getting back-to-back weeks over 19 fantasy points, but I'm not sure you can feel comfortable relying on him even as you get closer, uh, closer to the fantasy playoffs. Now, uh, I'm going to go over to Steelers' offense now because Jalen Samuels, I mean, that was a name that was intriguing, especially in drafts coming up to this season because you weren't sure if James Conner, you know, we we saw what he did last year. It was impressive, but when some of us in the back of our mind thought, yeah, but he got injured and all that, well, here we are again, he's injured. Now, not impressive rushing numbers, but, I mean, I think what they gave him, ten, eight carries or ten carries running the ball, but those receiving numbers out of the backfield, 13 catches, I mean – that's something in PPR leagues that will win you a championship. So is Jalen Samuels one of those guys you can believe down the stretch, or we're going to have to play that week by week with you know with the Connor news and all everything else going on there? Yeah, I think you have to you have to play it week by week with James Connor because what the Steelers did last week where Samuels did get involved in the passing game with the 13 targets and 73 yards, he didn't score. That's okay. The Colts defense has been susceptible to those receiving backs. That shouldn't have come much of a surprise. The big part that was surprising was Trey Edmonds being the, the running threat in that combo. And I think when you look at what the ideal Steelers offense looks like, it's, it's very hard to figure out with Mason Ruff as quarterback. But James Conner could probably fill both of those roles, both as the receiving threat and the running threat. And Jalen Samuels is a talent, and I think the Steelers are missing talent on the field, whether it be at running back, receiver, tight end, whatever else, quarterback certainly. So Samuels will probably see the field at some point, but if Connor's healthy, I don't know if you could necessarily say you need to have Jalen Samuels on your roster. And we just saw this past week, if Connor's hurt, it's not a guarantee that Jalen Samuels is going to be the fantasy guy and, and the person that gets all the carries either. They like Benny Snell quite a bit, and he was not active last week. He should be coming back pretty soon from, I think it was knee surgery earlier this season. And I could see him taking over that Edmonds role and, while Edmonds was efficient enough last week, I think Snell, despite his limitations from his collegiate career, is going to be a big enough and bruising enough back where I could see the Steelers really trying to rely on him if Connor were to, were to go down. And again, we would have thought Samuels, with how productive he was and, and really what he can do even as a wildcat option, could be more of a runner. But for whatever reason last week, the Steelers didn't go that direction. And even in a PPR format, I get it with Samuels and the 13 targets. I used him at FanDuel, and I used him as a flex option in a couple of leagues. Like if you have to do it, you have to do it. But that doesn't mean he's a he's a top handcuff. Like you look mm-hmm. at the Tony Pollard's the world or Wayne Gallman before he got hurt this year. Like yeah. those guys, they immediately step into a situation where they're getting twenty to twenty five targets and carries. Mass Alexander Madison too. That's not the case for Jalen Samuels. And I would have thought prior to this week he would have been one of those guys, and it just doesn't feel that way anymore. Now we'll talk about you know some of the quarterbacks now that we know they're injured or they're making moves on teams. We'll start with Carolina, the Panthers down the stretch here. Yeah, they announced officially Cam Newton's gone, but I see. I don't think that affects that offense that much because it's basically been Christian McCaffrey's show there. I mean that's that's the thing. So I don't think that one. You know, we kind of saw it coming that you know things were going awry there. Now, does that affect DJ Moore and Greg Olson if on um, you know rostering them down the stretch here? I mean, Moore obviously, I think you keep on there, but Greg Olson, uh, I don't know. Yeah, and Curtis Samuel too. I think yep. factors in that conversation. It's interesting. I-, I will never sit here and tell you 
that Cam Newton is a worse quarterback than Kyle Allen. I'm not interested in getting to that argument. That's yeah. not a discussion point that I care about. But I do think a healthy Kyle Allen is better than whatever we saw was Cam Newton the past two years, mm-hmm. certainly this year, if not even last year, too. I don't think Cam Newton was all that healthy. and I don't think it's fair to judge his talent, but it's fair to question at this point if and when Cam Newton will ever be healthy. And the Panthers, I think, made the right decision by putting him in IR. Kyle Allen's probably not winning you a Super Bowl, but he can manage the game well enough to get you to the playoffs and be competitive in the NFC South division. That is pretty good, minus the Falcons. And you enter this year, you would have thought it would be the Buccaneers, if anything else. But yeah. here it is the Saints and Panthers that are doing pretty well, and, and the Buccaneers certainly have a pretty talented offense. I think you, you've seen what the DJ Moores and Curtis Samuels and Greg Olson, to some extent, will do with Kyle Allen. I don't know if that really changes much. And, and sure, if you are anticipating Cam Newton comes back at some point, you might be a little bit lower on DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel than you were two weeks ago. I never thought that was a possibility. And even if he were to come back, I never felt like he'd be fully healthy. So this is kind of the floor, or I'm sorry, this is the ceiling that you're seeing with these receivers for Carolina. And yes, Christian McCaffrey is soaking up so much yardage, targets, and opportunities. That's really difficult for those guys to do anything else. But I think Kyle Allen could do enough and has enough matchups up to coming or up, uh, upcoming where he can find some value in a Curtis Samuels wires for two. And same goes for DJ Moore. I think they, they kind of both fit into that category for me. And once again, talking with rotowire.com's Joe Bartle here as uh, we get ready for this big week uh, coming up, week 10 on the horizon here. The Jaguars, well, they make the move. Uh, the Minshew mania is over for now. They're going back to Nick Foles. I don't know. It was a tough decision to make, but felt they had to make. So, you know, DJ Shark will have to watch those numbers. And, you know, when D.D. Westbrook gets healthy enough back in there, if, if this will benefit those two even more. I, I'm not sure, though. Yeah, and Jacksonville's on by this week, so that probably helps D.D. Westbrook yeah. even more. It, it's interesting. I was of the opinion up until, what, I don't know, it was 8.30 in the morning central time when the Jacksonville and, Te- and Texans played last week that Minshew should be the starter, right? They, there is no more valuable aspect in all of NFL than a rookie quarterback on a deal even taken in the second and later round. And being a sixth-round pick, Minshew's deal was definitely a, a value. And I thought, okay, you could build a franchise around that. And Nick Foles, frankly, probably is enough trade value where you could get a third, fourth, or fifth-round pick for him and shed some of that contract. I don't know if one game should really change that opinion, and certainly Mitch has proven that he should at least be an NFL-caliber player, whether he's a starter or backup remains to be seen. But that was a pretty ugly contest. And, and weird things happen um, in London games, just like weird things happen on Thursday night football. <laughs> but it's tough to really shake that thought process. And we all, I mean, we're, we're creatures of habit, but also creatures of the present. And we just saw what we done for me lately, and Mitch turning the ball over three times in the last five minutes of that contest when they still have a hope not only beating the Texans, but also running up the ladder in the AFC South. I think Nick Foles makes a difference. They signed him for a reason. And I'm not really worried about D.J. Chark's numbers. I don't even know if I'm worried about D.D. Westbrook. Like We were high on at least the case of Westbrook in some extent in some circles. Chark as well, because we knew Jackson would have to pass. And Fournette, for whatever reason, can't get in the end zone, so maybe that benefits Westbrook and uh, Chark a little bit more, too, at least projecting touchdowns the rest of the way. All right, I was waiting for a while to get to it. Uh, Packers, Chargers. <laughs> we don't have to talk about it. We don't fine. have to. Uh, well, one thing on the Chargers side, I mean, Melvin Gordon, that was an encouraging sign. It looks like you know they're finding a way to get him on the field and Eckler on the field. So, I mean, they found a way to get both of them. So, I mean, if you, huh. held, if you yeah. held out to get Gordon in your drafts, 
you know, there was maybe some positive down the stretch here. He might help you during the fantasy, you know, down the stretch run here. But uh, on the other side, oh, yeah, that was uh, everything <laughs> didn't make the trip out to California. No, no, they didn't. And here's the frustration that I have. There's very few things when it comes to fantasy that I felt confident in. And there's very few things in the NFL that I felt confident in. So you go and you look for survivor options and whatever else you're picking those teams. I put down the Packers because I felt pretty good given what we saw from Kansas City in the Sunday night contest and Devontae Adams coming back and Aaron Jones going against the defense that was down to their third string nose tackle, fourth string safety, that they were able to be able to move the ball. And that never occurred once yeah. throughout the game. They had one drive, thanks to Shocker, no huddle, where they were able to get the defense off guard and move the ball, and I, I really would have loved to see that more in the Mike McCarthy era. We haven't had to deal with those types of problems with Matt LaFleur, but if that kind of offense happens again, why you don't pivot to the no-huddle offense earlier, like we saw with the Patriots and Ravens on Sunday night last week? That's literally how the Packers offense should be running if it's operating at all cylinders, just changing that pace, and I get it. The defense is going to get tired more often. Well, the defense sucked last week, and they sucked the entire game. At what point do you say, do we just try to go better offensively and forego trying to help out the defense because they weren't doing any, any favors for themselves whatsoever? So it was frustrating to see the offense get going in one drive using the no huddle and then never go back to it. And by that point, the game was out of reach. You know, it, it's just it's difficult in that regard. And you look at how the Packers' run defense in particular has struggled for the better part of this season, and it certainly seems like the Achilles heel of the, the Green Bay Packers' run so far. I'm not necessarily looking too much into the Melvin Gordon Austin Eckler thing. I do notes on the Chargers for Rotoware, so I've been watching them now the past four or five seasons. I feel pretty comfortable knowing that what we saw last Sunday is going to be formality in terms of both getting Eckler and Gordon involved. I mean, neither of those guys had more than 40 yards since Gordon came back in week four, and yet they both had over 70 together in a combined 202 yards. That just that's that's the byproduct of a bad defense, the defense that didn't come to play. And that's what we saw last week with the Packers and Chargers. And and that was a surprising thing because with the offense you had Devontae Adams coming back and you thought, Oh boy, now you saw the week before there you know, good things in Kansas City and even before that against Oakland and you're like, Boy, now they're really gonna start rolling and then uh no, it didn't what whatever happened and, and it sounds like from everything we've heard in the locker room, you know, they the trip they, they should have got there earlier and all this other stuff was happening. So I don't know if it was a product of that or, or what. And I I can never think that a team's not prepared for a game because it seems like that's all these coaches do is get teams prepared for a game, but for whatever reason, it just didn't work that week, so that could have been their clunker for the year. And I, maybe this week against uh, Carolina, it's a big game for Devontae. Yeah, maybe for my own sanity, I have to assume that a rookie coach really being thrust into the head coach uh, role in particular wasn't able to figure out the best practice schedule. Maybe a guy like Mike McCarthy would have a bit better idea what his team needed. But yeah. you would have thought the leaders that they have in the defense would have been able to step up better. And it's not like the Chargers were running gangbuster on teams prior. Like, this is kind of an anomaly, and I think it probably will be an anomaly the rest of the year when you look back at the Chargers' stats. So it was disappointing overall. I felt pretty confident Mike Williams would have this way. And You look now ahead to the Panthers matchup, and they don't have those big-body receivers like the Chargers did or really good route runners like Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen were able to dice up his defense when they actually won that direction. But I do think the speed of the Panthers' receiving core is going to be a problem. And I, at this point, I'm not sure how you can't have Christian McCaffrey in your DFS lineups in a certainly season long, like it's 
probably not unrealistic say McCaffrey's going for 150-plus yards against this Packers defense. And mm-hmm. every time I say that, then they end up doing pretty well and holding yeah. a guy like, you know, Delvin Cook to really just one big play and under 120 yards. And maybe that happens again. I don't feel like the Panthers' offense is enough or as capable as what we saw with the Chiefs. But the speed in that Sunday night game really posed a problem for the Packers' secondary. You saw how much they stayed off of Tyreek Hill and Nicole Hardman, and those guys ran wild. Mm-hmm. I feel like a similar game plan is going to be deployed with Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, and whether or not Kyle Allen is effective enough to get it to those guys, that's going to be the difference maker, just like we saw two weeks ago with the Chiefs. Maybe turnover, maybe some pressure on the sacks can make a difference. This is going to be a higher-scoring game, and I think they're going to need to rely again on Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and sure, hopefully Devontae Adams, too, a part of that equation. The the Carolina secondary is pretty good, though, and, and certainly is better, you would have thought, than Los Angeles, but they proved some things last week, as yeah. the Chargers did. I hope the Panthers don't do the same thing as the Packers fan. And we're going to get into Week 10 matchups now. We'll start off with the running back position. Uh, who are some of the uh, running backs you really like this week? I'm at least intrigued by Tevin Coleman. I know he threw a dud in after that four-touchdown game Thursday night. Or I'm sorry, he had the four-touchdown game the week before, yeah. and then Thursday night was a dud. They're getting both their offensive tackles back and potentially their fullback as well, who's a huge blocking weapon. This is a big game for the 49ers on Monday night against the Seahawks. The NFC West division could largely be decided by this contest, and we know Russell Wilson's going to make his magic happen, and maybe Josh Gordon gets involved at least somewhat. I'm not optimistic about that, but there's going to be points scored from Seattle regardless of how great the 49ers defense is. Can that offense keep up with that scoring from Seattle? And I think if they are, it's going to depend a lot on Tevin Coleman. You look at the Seattle matchup, it's one of the more prominent ones in terms of lying running backs or fancy points to the running back position. So I feel pretty good that he's going to have at least a decent game. And the same thing could be said for Marlon Mack against the Dolphins, too. Now, we don't know Jacoby Brissett's status yet. It sounds like he's not going to play. But even if he's out, Brian Hoyer is more than capable as a veteran quarterback. And I get that there's receiving doubts with T.Y. Hilton, and we don't have Devin Punches back yet. And Paris Campbell also broke his hand, too. So they're really going to have to move the ball with their running back position. I think Mack is more than capable. The Dolphins did get the win last week. That's just because the Jets are possibly more incompetent than Miami. I don't feel like the Colts are back, are going to get surprised. And I think Mack is going to get around 75 yards and at least a touchdown this week. I feel pretty certain he's going to do pretty well. What are some of the wide receiver matchups you're liking here in Week 10? Well, I talked about the receivers for the Panthers, and whether it be Curtis Samuel or DJ Moore, I think Samuel sounds like he's questionable right now, but should be good to go. Both those guys, especially during Week 10, you probably are going to have to start anyway. But I do feel comfortable, at least in the case of Samuel in particular, with how they use him in reverses and short throws and underneath routes, that he's going to get you a safe floor of 40 to 50 receiving yards. And even if it's only up a four to five targets, he has the speed and capability in that offense to do it. And it's not a sexy thing to say yeah. for a flex position to get 40 to 50 yards. But that's just the floor, and I think there's possibility with how bad the defense has been, and maybe if Christian McCaffrey doesn't score four touchdowns and only scores three, that somebody has an opportunity like Curtis Samuel to do well. So he's one guy I'm looking at. You know, of course, the the Giants and Jets matchup, the the stinker bowl of all stinker bowls for New York. (laughs) It's going to be interesting to see which one of the running backs, whether it be Saquon Barkley or Le'Veon Bell, does well. I actually feel pretty good about Golden Tate, though, this weekend. Sterling Shepard was supposed to play last week, Monday night. Then the concussion symptoms really the head again. It doesn't seem likely, or at least it's possible, that he doesn't play again this week. Even so, you look at uh, Golden Tate and Darius Slayton, or Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard, that secondary from the Jets is dreadful. We saw Preston Williams decimating them last week. Yeah. Devontae Parker was able to do some things. 
I feel pretty good Golden Tate, at least in a PPR format, is going to be a top 20 scorer this week. By the way, could Yahoo make the Black Cat available on waivers? Because I would pick <laughs> him up. number one a, pick, right? Yeah, I would pick him up in a heartbeat. If, if I had number one waiver priority, he would be mine this week, especially in that matchup. So, I mean, that that would be a fantastic if they could do that. Yeah, no kidding. That that was just crazy to see how that happens. And, of course, if, if it only could have happened a week uh, earlier with Halloween and everything, yes. that would have added to, like, an all-time history kind of moment, which is weird to say when you're talking about a few line entering the field <laughs> yes exactly all right we're up to the tight end position here again this is the one that always drives me nuts trying to figure out guys that's going to work and not work from week in to week out who are some of the tight ends that you like this week yeah i wonder if mark andrews gets back on track this week of course the patriots uh it seemed and i was surprised to see how they operate with lamar jackson maybe lamar jackson just is that gifted of a runner that even bill belichick gets confused but it felt like the Patriots were taking away Mark Andrews in that contest as the sole weapon and not letting Marquise Brown do anything, and they let Lamar Jackson beat them, and he did. I wonder if Mark Andrews gets back on track against the Bengals and Nick Boyle was able to get some touchdowns and at least catch the ball a little bit more. I don't know if that's going to be the case this week, so I feel good if I have to start Mark Andrews again with a juicy match against the Bengals. Mike Giusecki is kind of the guy that's stepped up with Preston Williams out. He had mm-hmm. uh, five catches, 90-plus yards receiving last week. And the Colts' defense is susceptible to the tight end position. There has to be number two receiver for the Dolphins, and with Preston Williams not out for the rest of the year, it's Devontae Parker and then, what, Albert Wilson? Yeah. Jakeem Grant? I think Mike Giusecki is going to be the guy that really fills that void, and the Dolphins are going to be trailing a lot. So having the number two receiver on the team, as weird as it sounds, might be a pretty lucrative fantasy option, and Giusecki's available in most, uh, most formats right now to pick up. And finally, we'll get to the defenses this week. Uh, Giants and Jets, uh, I, I don't know. Again, it's a, it's another uh, pick em for the defenses, I think. It's a really weird week with defenses <laughs> because you have like the Colts and Dolphins, and you can make an argument with the Colts essentially starting a third-string quarterback. Yeah. The Dolphins' defense makes sense to use, it, too. I think at the top, it has to be the Ravens against uh, yes. Ryan Finley, who's now coming in for Andy Dalton. There's a reason why the Bengals – drafted a quarterback in the fourth round, and it's not because they had a lot of faith in Ryan Finley, right? So mm-hmm. you have to imagine the Ravens' defense, which has been great at getting turnovers. And I think back to the heydays of the Bears' defense, or at least my memory of the heydays, with Peanut Tillman punching the ball out. You saw that with Marlon Humphrey last week against the Patriots. They did that the week before, too, with Jimmy Smith. I think Earl Thomas has really made a big difference as far as teaching that secondary how to be opportunistic with plays. And I love the Ravens' defense against the Bengals' backup quarterback. Otherwise, it's the same old, same old, but the Bills against the Browns, Baker Mayfield has struggled. You could say the Saints against the Falcons, especially if Matt Schaub is playing at quarterback. And, of course, the Bears, too, against the Lions. And with all their injury problems they've had and essentially having no running back, I feel pretty good that the Bears are going to stop Matthew Stafford or uh, what a yard piler that Stafford seems to be lately. And once again, they can check your podcast up at rotowire.com. Give us all the details. Yeah, we do the uh, podcast every Tuesday. My co-host and I, Jake Wetarski, breaking down all the free agent additions to Target. Uh, we had a big trade deadline special, which really was nothing because <laughs> there was no trade deadlines. Thanks, NFL, uh, yeah. two weeks ago. And we normally do a, a few other discussion points, whether it's the Monday Night Game or uh, some other opportunistic opp- or lineup decisions you have to make. So it's always a good listen. Uh, we try to keep it under an hour. I get a little bit too rambling, as you can tell now. So <laughs> no, sometimes it gets a little bit over that. <laughs> but it is a good listen. And certainly all the other podcasts on the Road Water Network, uh, Monday through Friday, are great listens. In particular, I love the Thursday night matchup. Mario Puig and John McKechnie break down every single game against the spread. 
talk about different guys that can benefit well. They, they do a great job, and it's one of my favorite listens ever. Well, again, thank you very much for your time, and we'll catch up with you again next week. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me on. Once again, Joe Bartle from rotowire.com. Gracious of him to join us once again. We thank him very much for his insight knowledge, helping us with our Week 10 decisions here. Best of luck this week. Yeah, here we are down the home stretch. You know, we're just six weeks away from the finals of fantasy football playoffs, just a couple weeks away. So big week ahead here. Hopefully we helped you out. Again, you can always follow us on Twitter at Draft That Guy. Have any start questions, we can address them that way as well and uh, hopefully get you in the playoffs, get you in prime position here down the stretch. Thanks again for tuning in, Fantasy Football Zone. We'll check in with you again next week. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at Draft That Guy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.